Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock As you heard yesterday on this program, the president of the Fraternal Order of Police is asking Hoosiers all over the city, all over the county, surrounding areas, if you have a blue light, put that on your porch, put that in the window, just to show a little support for law enforcement, because it's been a rough stretch. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Indy Spanglish Jerry Lopez is in with me again. And there's a memorial right now outside of the Criminal Justice Center for fallen Deputy John Durham. Now, the Criminal Justice Center, this is the newer one, 675 Justice Way. This is the third death in 12 days for Indiana law enforcement. Jerry, you've had about 24 hours to take this all in. Take me through what are you thinking? It's just sad. It's sad. I mean, I had a lot of conversations with people because obviously it was a topic of discussion. Uh, But just reminding people this is the third one in probably just as many weeks uh, just brings it that much more to the forefront. And all have died in different, different circumstances. So this is not like just your typical you know, just cop on, cop on bad guy situation. This is, this is, you know, everyday people of our community that are having to deal with this when they go to work. Right. It's a bad person issue. It's not a gun situation, not a knife situation. You had a state trooper lose his life when someone used the car as a vehicle. You had a police officer in Tell City get shot at a hospital. And then of course, yesterday, the tragic situation of a choking from a scumbag, and I mean that with every bit of anger in my voice, a scumbag in the criminal justice system. Who was being taken to the hospital to be checked on. Right. Now, sometimes I don't like to say the names of these people because I don't want them to get any more attention than they want. You know when a school shooter wants attention. You know when a criminal wants attention. But in this case, I feel like we have to say the name of this person Because if we're going to talk about what a horrible, rotten bastard he is, I want people to know who we're talking about. And the suspect is Orlando Mitchell. Now, Jerry, before the show, we were going back and forth talking about the criminal history of this guy. And the term scumbag gets thrown around a lot. But this guy's just one of the worst. No, it it definitely applies here. I mean, everything leading up to even the situation yesterday, this guy should have been out of our community, in jail, in a special place, in hell in that jail, uh, just for people that can't even be confined to prison. I mean, he is that bad of a guy that, that he committed a murder while in jail. So let me take you through the criminal history of the person that took the life of Deputy Durham. Orlando Anderson, March of 2021. Let's start here. Pled guilty to domestic battery in the presence of of a child under 16, he assaulted a woman who was four months pregnant. So so I read a little bit on that. The woman that he assaulted was the lady he later on went and killed. The child that was under the age of 16 was a daughter that she shared with her ex-boyfriend. The ex-boyfriend was at the house to pick his daughter up. Orlando showed up. Then he grabbed her by her neck. And basically, that is situation number one. 
So that sounds like a pretty horrible situation, right? I think we can all agree that sounds like something where somebody needs to be locked away. But about a year later, he got a sweetheart plea deal and prosecutors dropped many of the serious felony charges. So what he got for all of that that we just talked about was a year of probation, no contact order, and only spent one One day. Damn day in jail. One day in jail. Yep. So one month after the sweetheart plea deal in 2022, of course, he violated the no contact order by reaching out to same woman demanding to pick up his son a day early. Now, the woman told him no, but he showed up anyway at the house, forced his way into the home. So here's a guy that's already on probation has a no contact order. Now he's being charged with breaking and entering, intimidation, and invasion of privacy. Still out on the streets, one month after that, he showed up to the daycare center, like you talked about, Jerry, and shot the woman in cold blood. In front of kids, in front of everybody. Walked right out and killed her. And after that shooting, it goes on. There was a manhunt for this person. They ultimately found him, I believe it was around 10th in Delaware, And when police showed up, he was armed with a rifle that he refused to drop. He was shot by police, lived, but was then taken into custody. They say he was screaming, I shot her in the face. I shot her in the face. Like, he was bragging. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew why they were there. I'm surprised the cops didn't shoot him. Uh, They they did shoot him in the leg. But he he was not remorseful for what he did. He, He definitely claimed it. This is who he was. And this world would have been better off had the police shot and killed this guy. Have you seen the movie New Jack City? I have. Old school movie, early 90s, Ice-T, Wesley Snipes. There's a scene in this movie where Ice-T, who's the undercover cop in the film, has the opportunity to kill Nino Brown, which is Wesley Snipes' character, the drug kingpin, the head of the cartel, doesn't do it. And then there's a court situation where he basically escapes on a sweetheart plea deal, and you hear Ice-T say, I should have smoked you when I had the chance. Yep. And I feel like... I know. But here's the issue. Ryan Mears has had the chance to get rid of these people time and time and time and time and time and time again. And Ryan Mears has let down the city of Indianapolis time and time and time. These are not first-time offenders. These are people that are known in the prison system. These are people that have gotten sweetheart deals for some reason. These are re-offenders. These are people out, out in our community because Indianapolis has voted for a Marion County prosecutor that has no intentions on keeping us safe. And just won by 20% in an election. Yeah, we have one now who's taken two lives. Unbelievable. Also, last night... The Indianapolis City County Council passed Joe Hogsett's, I'm going to use air quotes here, gun control measures. Again, none of these are enforceable. All of these things that Boss Hogsett wants to do because it's an election year, make the gun age 21, get rid of assault rifles, which he can't even describe, uh, do all of these ridiculous things, gun-free zones, get rid of constitutional carry. You don't have the authority to do. The whole premise of last night was, if the laws get changed, if this happens, if that happens, if monkeys fly out of my ass, this is what we're going to do. It was a waste of everyone's time in listening to some of these Democrats on the city, county council, trying to justify it like this was not some sort of waste of time is laughable. This is Frank Mascari. 
He is a Democratic rep from the South Side, kind of my old stomping grounds in the Beach Grove area. Take a listen to this nonsense. You know, you say this doesn't mean anything. Actually, it does. We're raising up an orange flag, a red flag to the state house and say, look what's happening here. What the hell are you talking about? You took time out of your agenda to work on something that's not enforceable at the local level. You can spin this however you want, but that answer is embarrassing. And anybody that votes for these people, you should feel ashamed. You should feel hoodwinked because these people are just in here playing government. They're not doing anything. What happened last night will have absolutely no effect on the city of Indianapolis probably ever. These are people playing government. I mean, what's what's even worse is the head of the snake decided to put this out three months before the election. Dude, you've been here for how many years? You're going to wait till now? To, it, as, as circus as this is, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. But you didn't try to do this two years ago. Right. It, I remember when 200 murders a year was a thing. Now it's not even a thing. We've done that. We've surpassed that three, four years in a row now. When people were breaking windows and setting fires in the summer of love here, the circle was wide open. There were no gun-free zones, and the mayor was nowhere to be found. But because the polling shows that he may be in a little bit of trouble here, all of a sudden, Mr. Johnny Tough Guy comes riding in on his horse. Well, I'm hoping and praying that people listening to this program understand what's happening here. This is a Hail Mary this is a total Hail Mary from Joe Hogsett, the mayor in this city, because he knows his ass is on the line. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. My man, Jerry Lopez. Riding shotgun with me throughout the afternoon. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, Special guest in studio... Big announcement earlier today, Farm Aid, the full-on festival, coming back, coming to Indy. Michael joins us. Michael, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having us. So this is a big deal. September 23rd, Farm Aid coming back to Indy. I believe this is the third time, correct? That's right. Yep, that's right. Third time. Now, some of the names... At this festival, we're talking about some of the biggest that the music industry has to offer. Who are some of the folks coming? Yeah, some living legends, right? Willie Nelson uh, is our president and founder. Uh, Neil Young, Indiana's favorite son, John Mellencamp, Dave Matthews, Margot Price, Nathaniel Rateliff, uh, Lucas Nelson, Allison Russell. It's going to be an epic day. And this is all money going to benefit... A number of different aspects of farming. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. All the thanks to the enormous generosity of the artists, right? Imagine this in this day and age where all of these artists come and charge no fee, 
right? Pay pay their travel and expenses the whole way. Because they're all doing that, this for free. They're all doing it for free. Every year they've been doing it for free since 1985. So. And because of that, we've raised $70 million since then to uh, support family farmers around the country. And we move the festival around each year so that we can highlight family farmers in different parts of the country. And obviously, this is a good time since we haven't been here in so long to come back to Indiana and highlight the work of farmers here. And September 23rd is the big show. Now, this isn't just a concert. It's a full-on festival. And what I mean by that, you You've got food available, there are activities, people can learn about some of the things our farmers are going through. Exactly. And particularly, they can learn about the kind of work that farmers in Indiana and the region are doing. So the homegrown village that is part of the festival, all of the food that you eat at the festival, this is all food that's sourced from farmers locally, right? All the usual food that they serve at the Ruoff uh, Music Center gets swapped out, and we bring in all this food from farmers from the area. But then there's also a skills tent where you can learn various skills that farmers know and that the rest of us maybe don't know, um, learning how to make cheese or something. Last year, we had a, a little mini barnyard with goats and sheep running around. There's a farmyard stage where the artists come and are interviewed along with farmers from the region as well. It's Willie so, growing his own weed at this event. Can can anybody stop by and hang out with Willie I, and see if he's got some of his homegrown weed? I, well, you can stop by. I think you should <laughs> stop by. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's legal in the state of Indiana. I feel like that's not legal. Eh, it's frowned upon. <laughs> you know, they, they don't really arrest you for it anymore. It's not legal, but it's kind of frowned upon. Hey, so I was looking at the farm aid, and one of the things that stuck out to me immediately as a father of young kids is your guys' stance on GMOs. Right. I really appreciated your stance. And just to take two two different pieces off off your, your section, you believe farmers should be able to grow their own crops without fear of GMO contamination and that biotech companies should be held accountable for GO, uh, GMO contamination. And also, you are uh, supporting alternative supply chains that help farmers meet growing demand for non-GMO products and avoid GMOs from our sourcing. I think that's a huge deal today. I'd like to, to expand on that a little bit because that really means to, a lot to me and I think to a lot of other parents that are going to the grocery store going, what is safe for me to feed my family? Right, exactly. I mean, I think it's one of the most important legacies of Willie Nelson and of Farm Aid over all these years is that our education level on all these things has improved so much over the years, right? We have a much better understanding of where our food comes from than we ever used to. And so that's part of the point of this homegrown village is to demonstrate how there's this tremendous variety, right? And not only around the country, but in just in this region, just in the state of Indiana, producing all kinds of incredible food for all the eaters of the region that's all non-GMO, right? That's all It's all sourced in a totally responsible, natural way, right? And that's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for our kids. How did Indy get selected here? Because we've been fortunate enough to have this event twice, uh, 1990, back when it was at the Dome, and then I believe again in 2001, if I'm right. not mistaken. Right. How did Indy uh, beat out other cities in the selection process? I mean, I think... I don't actually know the, the complete answer to that question, because I, I, I'm not sure who makes the final decision. But we move around the country from place to place year after year. And so it had been a while since we'd been in the Midwest. It had been too long, I think, since we'd been in Indiana. And I know that uh, John Mellencamp and the other uh, founding board members are all really impressed with the kind of work that farmers are doing in this region.
So if somebody is listening, they're like, man, let's, that's an amazing lineup. Dave Matthews Band and John Mellencamp and Willie Nelson. You go on and on. When can people start getting tickets and what type of packages and things like that are available? Yeah, tickets go on sale Saturday morning uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, prices range from $75 to $315 if you want the full VIP package. For 75 bucks, it's a pretty amazing day of music where you have all these artists, right? You can have an experience unlike any other. How many hours of experience. music are we talking about here? It usually runs about 11 or 12 hours, wow. right? Right, so you're getting your money's worth. Totally here. getting your money's it's worth. It's not like you're paying some ridiculous price and you're going to see one or two bands. This is some of the biggest names in music, and it's all damn day. All damn day, and you're and you're supporting the farmers of the United States and of this region. One more time, where can people get all this information? You can get all this information at farmaid.org. We have an awesome website, including information on the kinds of questions you're raising about GMOs and things like that. All the ticket information is there. You can buy the tickets at livenation.com. And last thing before we let you go, what's been the response of the farmers throughout the years? It's not easy to farm. We talk about this a lot. We have folks that listen to this program. They might be out on their tractors right now. They've got their radios on. They're listening. It's not an easy gig. What does it mean to them, and what kind of feedback have you received from the folks these concerts benefit? I mean, overwhelmingly positive feedback. You know, there's tremendous gratitude, especially to... Willie to John Mellencamp to Neil Young for starting this and then sticking with it for this long, right? There's no other benefit concert in history that's gone on for as long as this has. And as I was saying at the beginning, with this kind of generosity from the artists, right, who do it all for free. Michael, thank you so much for coming down, talking about this. This is awesome. I'm excited for it, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer here. Indy Spanglish. My man, hanging out with me today. Did you pick up any extra Twitter followers from uh, your little experience on this program yesterday? I, I, I would say I picked up a, a couple, which which is all, all is pretty cool to me. Maybe more special than most because I know they're local people. So I, I, that means a lot. If anybody needs to pick up followers, it's me. I need to like clout chase off of you. <laughs> You've got more Twitter followers than pretty much anybody here. So that's awesome. Um, looking at some stories from around the country here. What's happening with our Department of Justice certainly warrants a conversation, to say the least. So this guy named Dr. Gal Luft, he was the whistleblower for some of this stuff that the Biden family was doing with China. Well, went missing for a little while, and then he pops up kind of a couple days ago out of left field, and he does this long video. It's like 17 minutes long, and he lays out all of the stuff that the crooked-ass Biden family has done with China. Here's a little bit from the beginning of that video. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, uh, I am forced to tell you this story via video. My ordeal goes back to uh, a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the U.S. government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2000, 
19 in a two-day session at the U.S. Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. So you heard him mention the CFC. If that rings a bell, that's the same Chinese energy company that Hunter Biden worked at. So my man does this video and he lays out all of the things. It's 17 minutes long. What do you think happens next? The Department of Justice has announced charges against this guy. They are indicting him for failing to register as a foreign agent of the China Energy Company. That's what they're going to do. So if anybody thinks, oh, you've got a tinfoil hat on, the Department of Justice isn't going after their enemies. They're not locking up people that are anti-Biden. Take a good look at what's going on. It's it's crazy to see how the DOJ's been turned into a political wing these days. It's they literally this is almost like third world country type stuff. It's just in your face right yeah. now. Like some would argue it's always been like this, but maybe not to this level. Now they've got to the point where they have zero blanks to give and they're doing it right in front of your face. We're going to go after the political rival. Oh, you've got dirt on the guy that's uh putting us in power right now. Now, we're going to lock your ass up, too. I just it makes no sense to me how the the Biden administration can be such tangled with all this different stuff and and nothing comes there. Ha- where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. And there's been a lot of smoke. I'm just happy for this whistleblower that that the Biden family didn't go to the, the Clinton school of whistleblowing where, <laughs> where they suicide you. Right. Right. Like, that's a good thing. He's voluntold. Your life is no longer needed. Uh, now, James Comer, who's the head of the oversight committee in the House, put out this statement, quote, Gal Luft was paid by the CFC, the CCP-linked energy company. The Bidens partnered with the CFC. Joe and Hunter planned to have office space. Bank records show CFC wired millions to the Bidens. Luft supposedly shared info of that with the FBI on the Bidens and the CFC. I will request this record. And Jerry, here's the thing, and I talk about this a lot, and I want to get your opinion on this. Yes, this is awesome. We, on talk radio and watching the news, we love hearing people like James Comer say these types of things. We love hearing the sound bites, but nothing ever happens to the bad actors. Nothing ever happens to big tech. Nothing happens to big pharma. Nothing's going to happen. They're going to basically indict and lock up this guy for being honest against the Bidens. And the Republicans are really good at bitching and moaning and having zingers and sound bites. You'll get great audio from Jordan and Matt Gates and all these dudes. But when the rubber meets the road, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, there's never any substance to say this stuff, right? They put it out. We'll have all the meat and potatoes. Everything's ready to go. And then they just kind of take that meal and they throw it in the trash can. They, they hope you don't mention that you're hungry for follow-ups, right? right. Like, like we never get what happens next. The information comes out. 
then then they'll drop out a couple stories about aliens or something like that, right? <laughs> right. And then it goes away. The new shiny object comes yeah. out there, and we've got new passionate sound bites. Great, but what happened before? What happened with all of this stuff? A lot of sound bites, but at the end of the day, the New York Times, they're going to skate. Big tech, they're going to skate. All of this stuff, they're going to get away with it. Stop being good at sound bites and start being good at revenge. Well, it's, a, it's an issue when the people that stand to be hurt by this stuff are the people that are in charge of putting out the narrative, right? So, like, it doesn't help the, the, the New York Times. It doesn't help Big Pharma. It doesn't help Big Tech for this stuff to actually get out there. And unfortunately, we've put them in a place in society where they control if it gets out there or not. Um. Zelensky's ticked off. Is anybody's feelings hurt? Zelensky is furious. He's angry. He's throwing tantrums. All because Joe Biden said, well, maybe Ukraine's not quite ready to join NATO just yet. Now, mind you, Biden just gave Zelensky one, more money, and two, some massive cluster-type bombs to play with. But here's Zelensky still ticked off that the president of the United States says that his country might not quite be ready to join NATO just yet. Now, I don't know about you, Jerry, but to me, you spoiled brat. Like you're getting more money than is going to the United States border, basically, at this point. The United States is funding this war. We're paying for your country's war. And you're going to turn around and be butthurt against Joe Biden? I can't believe, and I'm. this is what really ticks me off, I'm so ticked off that Zelensky has put me in a position to defend Joe Biden here. Wait, it's, it, remember when $10 billion was a lot for that wall? <laughs> right. Like, we're at $77 billion in counting. Nothing more was a, nothing was a bigger smack in the face than the day after tax day. We send them another care package for like $400 million. It's literally the, the money you just sent in gets sent over there, right? So so as, as far as it goes in NATO, and we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Article 5 to me is the biggest reason why uh, Ukraine is not a part of NATO. And, and Article 5 of NATO says, if a NATO ally is the victim of an armed attack, each and every other NATO member of the alliance will consider this an act of violence as an armed attack against all members and will take actions if necessary to assist an ally attack. I think that reads as if we welcome Ukraine in and we say you're now a member of NATO, all of NATO is now responsible for this war. It's no longer just giving you money on the side or giving you weapons on the side. We are in this war now. And putting myself in Zelensky's situation, maybe he's coming at this from the angle of, well, I've got the leverage. We know that the Biden family's crooked, and maybe Zelensky's got a little information that he's holding on to. And maybe it would be bad news for Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, uh, the uncle, the entire money laundering family. Maybe he's got that leverage and he's thinking, really? You're going to do this to me now? You say the word here, Grandpa. I'm going to snap my fingers and uh, you're going to be going to federal you-know-what prison here. So maybe he's coming at it from that angle. I don't know, but the whole thing stinks. I'm going to read you the statement from Zelensky. Quote, we value our allies. We value our shared security. 
We always appreciate an open conversation. Ukraine will be represented at NATO in the summit because it's about respect. But Ukraine also deserves respect. Now, on the way to the summit, we we received signals that certain wording is being discussed without Ukraine. It's unprecedented and absurd when time frame is not set neither for the invitation nor for Ukraine's membership, while at the same time, vague wording about conditions is added for even inviting Ukraine. Uncertainty is weakness, and I will openly discuss this. That key word right there is weakness. Uncertainty is weakness. Even Zelensky is looking at Joe Biden right now as weak. And this is a dude who's giving him all of his money and weapons right now. Yeah, it's sad, right? It's what a pompous little kid, man. Like, literally, these are our dollars. The government doesn't make dollars. We give them our dollars. And you're not even appreciative of that when we have people here fighting inflation, looking for jobs, looking for health care, looking for all this stuff. And not only do you want us to pay for your war. You want us to fund your war with military, and now you want us to invite you to the big kid table, right? Which says if you're at this table, then we all fight for each other, right? I, to your point, it will be very interesting if we if we vote them in the NATO, and we don't turn it into an all-out war, because that would tell me that he had some pressure points on Biden that said, "You let me in this thing uh, just to protect myself, and once you do, we'll we'll try to forget about Article 5. And again, I feel like we have to say this every single time we complain about all the money and resources going to Ukraine. It doesn't mean you're supporting Russia. No. It does not mean you're some sort of Putin fanboy riding around on a horse without a shirt on. I just want some money at the United States border. I want some money in these cities where homeless shelters need to be built. Mentor facilities need to be put in inner cities. We need a lot of this money. That's all I'm saying. If Vladimir Putin died of genital herpes tomorrow, Jerry, I would actually celebrate. I would be happy, but at the same time, I don't want to keep giving all of this money to a war we're not involved in. I mean, I would I would 100% support a pay-per-view fight between Orlando Mitchell and Vladimir Putin to the death. Like, I don't like either one of those guys. Please, to the death, but, someone. But, but we have a lot of issues here in America, and I don't think that we've once even taken an honest look, at least not this administration, to fix our issues. And while I don't agree with Vladimir Putin, and I completely side with the plight of the Ukrainian people, like, we are losing money out of both ends at this point. And, and, and we this is not sustainable by us as a nation. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Do you suppose we'll meet any wild animals? Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. The dingo ate your baby. And now Hammer and Nigel proudly presents... Damn, nature, you scary. Lions. And tigers. And bears. Oh, my. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. Are you a snake guy, Jerry? Like if a snake were to find its way in the studio, would you be okay or would you run around here and jump on a table? I would not run around and jump on a table, but I wouldn't necessarily be the first one to grab it either. Dateline Florida 
a snake hunter bagged a 16-foot Burmese python loaded with 60 different eggs. Mike Kimmel, known as the Python Cowboy, hunted down this massive snake with help from his dog. He put a photo out on Instagram and shows that he removed more than 60 eggs from the ecosystem in the process. Now, for those wondering, why would he do that? That's cruel to animals. Rabble, rabble. This is the statement. And tell me if you're okay with this. Quote, A removal like this is absolutely critical for our native wildlife in that ecosystem, and it will make a difference. A python this size can eat anything in the Florida Everglades, and I've also proven this with multiple adult alligators I've rescued from being eaten by pythons three separate times. That's terrifying, man. That is is a nightmare. Like, I am all for I tell my kids don't kill bugs if they're outside. Right, like just let nature be. Uh, I wouldn't want to kill this this huge snake, but man, that's like that that Jennifer Lopez movie, Anaconda. You know, like, that is real life Anaconda, and I am no thank you. And if this is to improve the ecosystem of the Everglades, I get it. And only in Florida could you be known as the Python Cowboy, make a living, and get paid for it. Like, you can't be the Python Cowboy in any other state other than doing porn, maybe, and expect to make a living. But in Florida, you could go out to the Everglades, man, and the stuff you find in the Everglades will make you say... Damn, nature, you scary. All right, we got one minute left here, Jerry. I'm going to do some choose-your-own-adventure. Do you want to hear about a jellyfish invasion or a tree planter attacked by a bear? I definitely want to hear about the tree planter. So, Dateline Canada, a tree planter was airlifted to the hospital after being attacked by a bear in western Canada. The bear first bluff-charged the victim and the victim started to run out toward a street area where traffic can go by but then the bear kind of slowly methodically walked over there and then beat the hell out of this woman planting the tree now the bear eventually ran off and a co-worker came to help this woman called for help she was taken to the hospital in stable condition have you ever had a bear encounter First of all, do I look like I've had a bear encounter? I do not go anywhere where bears will be. I don't. This is not something that happens to Latinos. We aren't typically attacked by bears. You're not bear people. We are not bear people. We're not a bear people. But it, it's, it's, you know, people talk about worst ways to die. I think easily 1A, 1B is wild animal. Like it. You and Nigel could hang out. They, those. So people, like, even when there's an unfair fight, at some point in time, people go, hey, he's had enough. He's Wild animals don't care. They will start with your face. And they will toy with and you. And that is terrifying to me. And that's why you say, damn, nature, you scary. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Hey, now, it is the Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nigel is out Jerry Lopez got the call from the bullpen. Indy Spanglish on Twitter. 
Man, you're doing a great job so far. Like, nobody in the YouTube chat has said that you're awful, which is rare, because normally that thing is a toxic hellhole. Well, there, there are levels to this. There, I, come, I come from Twitter, which is uh, the home of the Anon toxic a-holes. So I'm, I'm built for this. But yeah, they brought the righty out of the bullpen, and I'm ready to give a couple good innings. Now, I should say, not everybody on the YouTube chat is toxic, but it's part of the gig here. So thank you so much for hanging out, and uh, you're doing a great job so far. Man, the timeline of events that led to the death of this Marion County Sheriff's Department deputy, it's just sad. It's sickening. And I have so many questions. Orlando Mitchell, the 34-year-old accused in killing Deputy John Durham yesterday, according to police affidavits and information provided from our news partners at Wish TV 8, used his handcuff chain to choke and kill him. Now, the probable cause affidavit and a video show that Deputy Durham was arriving at the adult detention center in a Marion County Sheriff office van. Durham was taking Mitchell to a medical appointment when this assault happened. So let me take you through the uh, events here. And again, this is some horrific stuff. And I have so many questions. We're going to talk about those questions once we get through this here. But Durham, the deputy, got out of the driver's side, walked to the back of the van. As he opened up the rear door of the van, that's when Orlando Mitchell opened the inner door of the van. Mitchell then raised his handcuffed hands above the deputy's head and placed them around his neck. Mitchell then used the chain linking those handcuffs to choke him out. And this is from the affidavit. Mitchell then gets on top of the deputy as they wrestle on the ground, stays on top of him, continuing to choke him out until the deputy quits moving. And it was at that point that Orlando Mitchell, the suspect, then took the handcuff key from the lifeless body of the deputy, unlocked his handcuffs, got into the police van on the driver's side, sped away, um, and ultimately crashed and was apprehended. So this is just something out of a horrific movie, Jerry. Unfortunately, this is real life. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, this is not a movie. This is not a movie starring The Rock. or so, like, This happened here in Indianapolis on a guy who already had a murder charge for brutally murdering his ex-girlfriend at a daycare in front of other parents dropping off their kids and kids that are there after serving one day in prison and getting a sweetheart deal from from Ryan Mears and Marion County Prosecutor's Office. This was, for for no better, this, this was an animal in our streets. And the questions that I have... And I don't know if this is the right time to bring these questions up, because I understand people are still going through the grieving process. But I got to be honest, I'm wondering, is it normal for one, just one deputy to be in charge of such a violent felon 
to take them to this medical appointment. This wasn't like this was somebody in the back seat that was busted for tax evasion or had, you know, breaking and entering or some minor thefts here. We're talking about a violent dude who's already murdered one woman in front of children who has a history of beating pregnant women and pointing assault rifles, to use Hogsett's term, at police officers. This was the guy in the back seat here. So that's one question. And number two, how does this happen? Were the chains too loose? Was he able to maneuver his way out of this? I know there's video because some of this information in the affidavit came from the video. So I reached out to some of my friends in law enforcement, Jerry, and the folks at the top of the food chain, they've got to play it straight up. They're saying, wait for all the information to come out. And I respect that. But off the record, I've had some folks tell me that if this were U.S. Marshals, there would be at least two people assigned to a violent threat like this guy was. But more than likely, and they can't speak, you know, in terms of 100% actualities here, it was probably a situation where staffing was so short because there is a major staffing crisis with police officers and the Marion County Sheriff's Department. They probably just sent one of the guys they trusted the most, which was 38 year old, I'm sorry, 38 year on the force veteran to take care of this. And unfortunately, the worst case situation happened. I mean, somebody, somebody in the YouTube tab, Brian here asked the same question you're asking, you know, why weren't his hands chained to his waist? Like that alone would have would have saved this this officer's life, right? But now we have one scumbag who have who has killed a mother who, by all accounts, was a great person doing the best for her family, and now a 39 year old veteran whose wife also works within the department. One scumbag did all this, and it's just unbelievable that somebody doing everything right, like this deputy who's got multiple children's got a wife his family is also involved in law enforcement it's a passion that this family has that this situation happened i mean this is disgusting it's horrific and i'm sorry but a full investigation needs to take place here i need to find out how this guy was able to you know basically almost pull like a mafia move where you strangle somebody with something from behind like that how was he able to get the handcuffs around the head why was it just one deputy with this incredibly violent felon was it a staffing situation these are the questions that need to be answered i don't know if now is the time for that i want the healing process to take place allow this family to grieve for their loved one but there are some serious questions that need to be answered. Uh, Indy Spanglish on Twitter. Jerry Lopez is his name. He's filling in for Nige this week. Turning our attention to 2024 here in the campaign, Ron DeSantis. There was a lot of hype behind Ron DeSantis. He had kind of a sloppy rollout. I mean, honestly, if you want to be 100% here, his Twitter spaces rollout was a disaster. Technical issues, not a lot of people understood what it was. It was a mess. And he's never really seemed to take off. Now, I've said this before, and tell me if you agree or disagree. I think if Ron DeSantis were the nominee, he has a better chance of beating Joe Biden than Donald Trump does. I think Ron DeSantis is a much better legislator 
than he is a campaigner. But I don't know if you can get the nomination if that's the case. Do you buy that? So, yeah, I'm pretty outspoken on this. I I voted for Trump in the last election. I'm a big Trump guy. Uh, But I don't think that we've done anything to fix the issues that everybody's complaining about from the last election, a.k.a. voter ID, a.k.a. ballot harvesting, a.k.a. all that stuff. And if we haven't changed those things, then reasonably, there's no reason to think Donald Trump could win again. Now, what I throw in there is that I think that Ron DeSantis is a less toxic uh, candidate. So while there's a huge groundswell behind Trump, and I'm one of those people, I support Trump, I, I completely believe that there's a whole segment of the populace that will only show up to vote if it's to vote against Trump. Against Donald Trump. I don't think those people will show up if it's Joe Biden, Ron DeSantis. Because the Trump factor just brings that out of people because for four years they had it beat over their head, orange man bad. Correct. Orange man bad. You have an opinion of Trump. I don't care who you are. You have an opinion. You either like him or you hate him. So Ron DeSantis' wife, Casey DeSantis, she's been taking some heat from the national media because she's been kind of campaigning on her own, doing a lot of these campaign stumps in Iowa. Now, MSNBC referred her as America's Karen. (laughs) Of course they're going to do that. And man, I got to be honest, if I'm Casey DeSantis, I take that with a badge of honor because the networks aren't going to criticize you if they don't think you're a factor. MSNBC isn't going after Chris Christie. They're not going after you know Vivek Ramaswamy right now. They're going after Trump and DeSantis. And now Casey's a part of this. She has put herself in the conversation. But honestly, it feels like right now, Casey is the one that's keeping the DeSantis campaign afloat. I'm going to play you a little bit of a commercial that Casey DeSantis has put out. Because what she's doing right now, she is hitting all the areas that Donald Trump struggles with. Suburban women, moms, uh, people who are concerned about what's happening with their children. The polling numbers show dudes love Donald Trump. With women, it's a different story. So Casey DeSantis has been having her own rallies in some of these key early swing states. And this is the commercial that she put out. And honestly, I think this is pretty powerful. Enough is enough. When you come after our kids, we fight back. Because there's nothing we won't do to protect our children. They're not yours. These are our kids. Our nation's children are all our children. We will not allow you to exploit their innocence to advance your agenda. We are no longer silent. We are united. And we have finally found our fighter. Just the beginning. We must protect parents' rights and the innocence of our children. We must restore sanity in our society. We need every mama and every grandmama in every corner of the country to stand up and fight back. 
So aside from the music, I think, being maybe a little too hot for the uh, the vocals there, I think that's a strong ad going at an area where Donald Trump could be vulnerable. Man, that, that ad gave me chills, man. Like, I just got to be honest. Like, it's all, like that was awesome. To, and you're a Trump guy. And I'm a Trump guy. Like, that was awesome to me. She, uh, she started in 2022, what was it? Mamas for DeSantis. And the whole goal was to mobilize suburban moms and mothers and grandmothers, like she said, to vote for DeSantis, right? He won 50% of the single woman vote. He won 12. He was, he won the woman voters by 12 points. Like, that's big. That's huge. That is huge. Especially when, when you're conservative, right? And so right. much of this other stuff gets played on the other side. So that's, it's massive. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Ever and Nigel presents is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. This is how we're going to play Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by Indy Spanglish. Jerry, the Jer Bear, he's filling in for Nigel today. It's your job, it's your civic duty to break down all the information and then tell us if the story is anything or not. We start with this. Man, this is kind of a dark way to start, but four people from Alabama have died because they've been doing the latest TikTok challenge. The challenge is you're supposed to stand up and jump from a speedboat that's moving at an incredibly high amount of speed. Now, these four deaths down in the waters of Alabama are just the four that police know about. Is this anything? Uh, this is a public service announcement to the Tide Pod eating generation. <laughs> no. Do not jump off the back of a boat. You will break your neck. Thank you for coming to his TED Talk. Any questions? That I mean, is all. That is all. Don't eat Tide Pods. Don't jump out of the back of a moving boat. There have been so many of these dumb challenges. Tide Pods is probably the the main one that people point to. But remember when people were getting like tattoos on their arm of burning themselves on the coil yep. of their stove? They're, they had a salt and ice one, I remember. I have kids, so I have to tell them all the time, don't do this. Like They will tell you. Dad sends us all these texts like, because I feel responsible. If I don't tell you not to do this... You might do it. That's where we're at in society yeah, right now. I have to tell you what not to do. We were joking on the 4th of July. There's a reason why that sign's at the airport that says, don't bring fireworks on the plane. There's a reason that it's there. Somebody probably tried to do it. Yep. It seems like you wouldn't have to tell your kids, don't put the fork in the toaster, but... But don't eat the Tide Pod. <laughs> like, when we, got to, when we got there, all bets are off. This is what happens when you don't make your kids play outside. Is this anything... Major League Baseball All-Star Game is tonight, and a player for the Phillies, former Red, former Cub, Nick Castellanos, he's going to be part of the action. Now, he raised eyebrows yesterday by telling a reporter that his favorite superhero was Scooby-Doo. Everyone was asked their favorite superheroes. Yeah. You said Scooby-Doo. Sure. I, I didn't realize Scooby-Doo was a superhero. Can you kind of explain his superhero lore? I mean, well, first off, he's a dog, right? And he can talk. And 
and he saves, he's, he's, he solves mysteries. So I think that a dog that can talk and helps people by saving, by solving mysteries, I think is a superhero. Checks off all the superhero boxes, has special skills, and he helps people. Correct. Did he win you over with that explanation? No, but he did make me wonder if weed is legal in Philadelphia. (laughs) Because I don't know of anything good that Scooby does except for just smoke weed with Shaggy. Like, I don't, they do that and they eat Scooby snacks. All right, I'm going to give you some crossfire here because I, at first, I thought there's no way Scooby Doo is a superhero. But if we're going to say that Batman is a superhero, What does Batman do that's super? All he has is cool toys to play with. He's a rich guy with a lot of money. He's Elon Musk without the edge. Like the Batmobile, the Batcopter, the utility belt, the suit, all that kind of stuff. He can't fly. He doesn't have super speed, super strength. At least Scooby-Doo is a dog who can talk, and I don't think you're really putting enough attention on that. But in addition to talking, he's got the mental wherewithal to be able to deal with a stoner and... And uh, a young version of Mr. Furley to go out and solve all these mysteries. I think you're sleeping on Scooby-Doo and Nick Castellanos won me over. Hey, give me Shaggy-Doo over Scooby any day. (laughs) And this brings us to great moments in Nick Castellanos' history. This was the... Apology that Tom Brenneman was making on the air after he got busted using a homophobic slur, and then Nick Castellanos went deep. I made a comment earlier tonight that um, I guess uh, went out over the air that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it would be a home run. <laughs> and so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. Great moments in Nick Castellanos' history. All right, on Twitter, I'm going to put up a poll. I'm going to work on it right now. It'll be up here in just a moment. At Hammer and Nigel, is Scooby-Doo a superhero? That will be the poll at Hammer and Nigel. Check it out. You sent me this story earlier today. This is crazy. And this is topical because the number one movie in America is about child trafficking right now. A 14-year-old girl whose family claims that she was sold to a U.S. Marine for sex has been found at a military base in California two weeks after she went missing. Yeah, this is a crazy story. So two weeks later, they so today the update is they've released uh, the Marine that they were questioning pending further investigation. But this 13-year-old girl was missing for, for two weeks, and they found her, I think, 40 miles away from San Diego at this, at this barracks. Camp Pendleton in California. I would love to know who in the family makes the claim and how do they back it up that she was sold to a U.S. Marine for sex. And then to ultimately find her... With the U.S. Marine. Right. Now, again, this Marine that was let off in handcuffs, no charges had been filed or anything like that yet. But clearly, the girl was there. This wasn't like this was some crackpot tinfoil hat theory where you don't really know and you're just throwing darts at the board here. They had evidence that this was the case, and they were absolutely right. So if this is happening at the United States military, 
on military bases, it just goes to show how much and how common this type of thing really is. As somebody who lived in the barracks for multiple years, there's no way that other people did not know she wasn't up there. Uh, for those of you who have never served, but maybe went to college, exact same thing. Just picture your big dorm, doors stay open, and people just float from room to room saying hi to their buddies. You would see if somebody had a everybody on that 14 year old girl. Everybody on that floor knew that girl was up there. Everybody did. Man, that is disturbing. But again, the most underreported thing, and maybe this movie that's out there right now with Jim Caviezel will change that, but the most underreported story is human trafficking. And it's been this way for a long time. If you notice, like whenever major events come to town, whether it's the Final Four, uh, the year we had the Super Bowl, and every year with the Indy 500, you always get those advisories from the feds, be on the lookout for human trafficking. Whenever there's these large, massive amounts of people, the opportunity for human trafficking gets ramped up. What's what's crazy is when we think of human trafficking or those that are... um I hate to use the terms buying or selling, but that's exactly what they're doing. The, the, these children or, or women or whoever, like, I think we envision like these super weirdos and we need to really keep in mind. Those are, those are normal members of society. They may work in an office. They may work. They may be your neighbors. They may be whoever they're coming here to watch a basketball tournament and also to partake in some of the most heinous stuff in the world. I mean, if you put, without knowing what you know, a picture of Jeffrey Epstein side by side with like Carrot Top, and I told you, which one of these two people do you think makes a living on doing inappropriate things with children? More often than not, you'd say, well, this weirdo guy over here, but it was the big executive businessman. Hell, Jared Fogle was selling those sandwiches for years. Man, just gross and disturbing to think about it. As long as this girl's going to be okay. Right. That's the most important thing here. But again, like what happened with the deputy, I've got a lot of questions that still have not been answered. But how much trouble can this girl be in? If her family's saying she was sold to U.S. Marine, they get the girl back and give her right back to her family. Like what kind of situation is she dealing with family-wise that would even set up a scenario that this would even take place? Did she run away and was then sold? Was she in a relationship and somebody sold her? Was it her family? Lots of questions, man. Lots of different avenues, and none of them are good. Um, Before we take a break here, we haven't done this in a couple days. I think it's about time to check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. Man, you ain't black. Notice the cocaine story has just kind of fallen out of the news cycle. Like you would think blow being found near the situation room would be a big deal. This wasn't out in the lawn. This wasn't where the interns hang out at. This was Kokanye near the situation room, not too far where the vice presidential vehicles are parked at. And it's radio silence. It makes me, it makes me, I'm rooting for the guy, the staffer that works there that has a drug problem that lost it. And now we're all blaming Hunter Biden. Like that's, (laughs) I am rooting for that person. I got 50 bucks on the big guy. I'm not going to lie. I agree. He's on vacation all the time. And the few times he's around when he's not falling, they got to find a way to make this guy look energetic. That's where the eight ball comes (laughs) in. Uh, Speaking of the big guy, he did an interview over the weekend talking about the war in Ukraine. 
Ukraine, why the U.S. is giving Zelensky cluster bombs. But throughout that conversation, he also made a mistake by quote, accidentally broadcasting to the world that the United States is low on a certain type of military shell. Uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition, uh, they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is, a, this is a war relating to munitions and uh, the running out of those, that ammunition, and we're low on it. Oh, Oh, well, thank you for telling China. Thank you for telling Russia. Thank you for telling the Middle East that we're low on that. Jerry, you're a guy that served. You you may not be like the military general here, but help us out here. That's frowned upon I mean, giving I, away military secrets. I think like that's that, kind right? of that, that's probably against the rules if we're being honest. Like you, at this point, if I'm Russia or China, we're just going to keep going because if the person that's that's supporting my enemy is running out of ammunition, we just need to keep this puppy going as long as we can. I mean, this guy says the quiet part out loud. Yeah, we're low on that too. Wonderful. Now, in that same interview that he did with CNN. Joe Biden looks at you with a straight face and says that the price of oil is actually down, not up. Number two, the price of oil is actually down, not up. And it's not because they have done one thing or the other, but the world's changing our policies relative to renewables are real. And since CNN likes to fact check, right, that's kind of their thing. When they had the town hall with Donald Trump, Caitlin Collins was there to fact check on the spot. The real fact check here is that oil prices ended last week at a nine week high and gas prices remain a buck 16 higher than when he took office in the first place. Again, they're just looking at your lying. They're challenging you to push back. And in that same interview, Joe Biden falsely claims that he put together the quad. I think if I told you three years ago, which I was, had written about in my, my notes, that I was going to get Japan to, deeply involved, have them change their defense budget, have them work with, with not that I've done it, but them work with South Korea, work something out. We're going to put together the quad, which is India, Australia, the United States, and Japan. I got a call from on that. He said, why are you doing that? I said, we're not doing that to surround you. We're doing that to maintain uh, stability in the Indian Ocean and, and in the South China Sea. You didn't invent the quad. The quad was put together by Donald Trump in 2017. Again, where are these fact checkers that I've heard so much about with CNN? But again, going back to the cocaine in the White House, I can't believe they haven't announced anything yet. And the fact, Jerry, that they haven't announced anything yet, because this should be incredibly easy to find, just adds to the conspiracy theories that it's somebody in the Biden's inner circle. We're talking about the White House, right? So how hard there, I imagine there's a camera in every building or every room in the White House. You look for the guy. You just look at the bag of cocaine and hit rewind and just keep just wait, just wait. Five minutes of real time as this rewinds, and you'll know whose it is. I don't know what what the issue is. And cocaine aside, 
if it's that easy to just get it in there, what if it were something else? What if you find a disgruntled inner circle staffer found out he has cancer and wants to go out with a bang and brings in anthrax or something like this is a major deal. It's not just about the cocaine, but since we're talking about it, let's go back to 1989 and here's Joe Biden on drug users. In line with what the president is calling for, we have to hold every drug user accountable. Because if there were no uh, no drug users, there would be no appetite for drugs and there'd be no market for them. Says the man that raised Hunter Biden. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! It is the Hammer and the Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nigel is out. Jerry Lopez at Indy Spanglish on Twitter. He is driving this boat with me this afternoon. And right now, we're going to go to the drivecubeboard.com hotline. Bring on the minority leader for the Indy City County Council, Republican Brian Mowry. Brian, what was that last night? I mean, this is just like such a loaded question, but this vote that Hogsett had about gun legislation that can't possibly happen until the state law changes, what was that? Yeah, uh, that's a actually a fantastic question, and uh, thank you, Hammer and Jerry, for having me on this afternoon. Um, that's a fantastic question. Uh, you know, if we learn nothing else out of that proposal, that outside of it not doing anything, we learned that there are certain uh, genitalia of females and males that uh, they do recognize occasionally, um, <laughs> from what we heard from one of my fellow counselors. Uh, last night was, at, at very best, it was political pandering during an election year. Uh, we've had we've had almost eight years now with Hogset, and we've seen nothing but rising crime, issue with guns, issues with uh, with stabbings, with beatings. I, I mean, you, you look at where we're at right now as a city, and it's scary. Uh, the proposal 156 last night. Uh, the attorney general had reviewed that actually and he had deemed that that was not enforceable it can't do anything so what we saw was it wasn't just a waste of taxpayer dollars because the counselors had to listen to it you got to think of what goes into creating this these proposals there's a lot of people on the staff that are all paid through taxpayer dollars that had to do the research had to do everything all the back end work to get this done and they completely just almost spit in the face of people of Indianapolis saying we're going to create this feel good proposal that has that can't do anything at all but yet what we heard from the opposing party is that uh, this is going to be a start and this is going to do all it's going to make all these uh, moves to wake up the state house and I don't think that's going to happen at all all we did was waste taxpayer dollars last night. We wasted taxpayer dollars when this was created. We wasted taxpayer dollars in committee. Uh, 
state statute and state constitution says that we do not have authority to do this. And unless we change state statute and state constitution, this does nothing. Now, now it's pretty common amongst the people that I've talked to. I mean, obviously, we're on this side of the circle, but, you know, how obvious is it to the constituents that this was just all for show? You know, how many of them walked away yesterday feeling like, you know, uh, Mayor Hogshead did something and we're going to make a difference versus like being educated and going, this really meant nothing? I think what spoke volumes uh, was when uh, the lead counsel, Matt Giffen, came to the podium and he was asked, what does this change? And I think it was by Councilor Monroe Gray. What does this change? How do, you know, is this enforceable? Can we do anything with this? And before uh, Council Griffin even walked up, I, I said, no, we can't do anything with this at all. This is not enforceable. And he only confirmed what I said and said that this does nothing. So for any constituent to feel like we're doing something, uh, I, I hate to give them a false hope. And I, I wouldn't do this to my constituency and tell them that we're doing something right now when we know doggone well this is not going to do a darn thing. So I, you know, if the if any of the constituency in, in Marion County believes this is going to do anything, I encourage them to look at how state law works and state constitution works, and how, and just watch the meeting last night and see where the chief legal counsel said this. We can't do anything with this. All this is is a piece of paper that you know can be thrown away, put in a, a file, or and. Right. Sword for a later date. And we're speaking with Brian Mowry. He's the minority leader of the City County Council talking about this vote last night. Joe Hogsett's gun plan that does absolutely nothing and it's unenforceable. The state law is not going to change. Brian, I expect this from Joe Hogsett. It's an election year. He may feel a little threatened. The polling wasn't great on him. He's going to throw every Hail Mary he's got. I expect this from Joe. But were you surprised at all by your colleagues on the city county council, predominantly on the other side of the aisle, that were just clapping like seals going along with this, knowing damn well this was unenforceable? It was surprising to an extent, I guess. Um, I, I figured last night going into this, and I told my other Republican counselors that we're going to be going into a hostile crowd uh, in a hostile room when we voice our opinions. But the fact that they were cheerleading this and trying to champion this all the whole way through is disappointing, honestly, because it gives their constituents, it gives the folks of Marion County a false hope that maybe something's going to change. And frankly, I would venture to say that most of the people that have, crea- that have created such an issue that we've had today with the public safety, I would, I'd venture to say most of those folks didn't have that, did not obtain that firearm le- uh, legally. Yeah, the, the whole thing just feels really disingenuous to, to you know, even even the Democrat constituents. I mean, for us, we kind of feel like, okay, it's pomp and circus. Like, it, do, it doesn't matter because nothing's going to change. But there, to your point, there's a whole group of people on the council who sold this as an actual thing to their constituency. And then they're going to turn around and just blame the conservatives for it not being a thing, knowing it was a non-starter from, from the jump. Exactly. And, you know, not to... Um 
make a play on words here, but this whole proposal dealt with trigger language that was completely dependent upon the state doing something different, knowing doggone well that's not going to happen and uh to portray this as something that's going to help uh solve the violent crime in indianapolis is a disservice to the constituents of marion county in indianapolis brian last thing here before we let you go again we're speaking with the uh, minority leader for the city county council in indy brian mowry you put out a statement on your social media in regards to what's been just a horrific 12-day stretch for law enforcement in the state of indiana for those who might not have seen it can you reset that for us yeah um so yesterday with uh deputy Durham, uh we saw a tragic loss of life um and i i cannot fathom what his what the deputy's family and friends are going through especially considering his wife works at the jail as well um i i just ask that everyone keep that family and friend group in their prayers and just hope that you know they can find some sort of peace i can't imagine the pain they are going through right now and my heart breaks for all of them and my heart breaks for the law enforcement community you know we just spend a lot of time talking about this gun proposal and how this will help solve violent crime well when you look at what happened yesterday with Officer Durham, and this was brought up last night, and I didn't want to say anything out of respect to the family, but I, I just think of, well, Officer Durham was not shot. He, he was he was brutally murdered by being asphyxiated, with, choked out basically by the uh, the criminal. I don't want to give him any sort of name recognition, so I won't say his name, but Deputy Durham did. A, had a hell of a career with the with the sheriff's office 38 years he shows that he is the the kind of person we want in there that is going to take this serious going to make sure that he is not just doing this for a paycheck you can tell he had the uh the drive to be the best deputy he could be and unfortunately there are bad actors and you know it, it just goes to show that if you take away one, they're going to figure out another way to do it. And it's just trying, how do we stop that? Brian Mowry, City County Council Minority Leader. Brian, thanks so much for the time. We'll talk again soon. Yes, thank you both for having me today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Indy Spanglish. Jerry Lopez filling in. And let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on our pal, comedian Scott Long. Scott, the reason we've got you on the big show today is there's this viral story about a comedian doing a show in Indy. And correct me if I have this wrong, but it sounds like this TikTok personality was doing a stand-up show. Somebody was heckling the comedian from the crowd, and the comedian's response was to tell the heckler to commit suicide. Do I have this correct? Okay, I'm going to hang up. This sounds like something that's going to probably uh, cancel my career. (laughs) All these ingredients just frighten me to death. We've got uh, uh, LGBTQ comedian 
We have a hairstylist. I mean, where am I going to fit? I mean, I'm just going to mansplain this, right? I mean, there's no place for me to go as a comedian. Oh, wait a minute. I'm a comedian. I'm supposed to have, I thought, like my own opinions. It's not mansplaining. It's Scottsplaining. So, so this person, her name is Ashley Gavin. Now, like many uh, pseudo-famous comedians now who sell more tickets than I do, never heard of her. Uh, probably was uh, a barista two years ago, and now is famous because of TikTok and a podcast. Uh, did you did you mention her podcast? By the way, I did not mention the podcast. This quote comedian chick could walk in here right now, take a dump on the floor, and I would still have no idea who she was. Well, her podcast is name. Um, we're having gay sex. Okay, I don't know if we're still on the air, but uh, yeah, I've missed I that one. A- That's uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I listened to Joe Rogan. Uh, I've watched Tucker Carlson, but I have not seen that one. I can't tell. I watched some clips if this person's a very good comedian or not. But like many of you guys that have you know, seen it on your Facebook reels or Instagram, TikTok, there's a big thing out there now, and that is comedians kind of riffing off the audience and doing improv with the audience, which I have done my whole career. I'm really good at it. I had a very verbally abusive dad, so I was in training my whole childhood for this. (laughs) So I love it. And then, I don't know, about eight or ten years ago, I got scared to do it, and you stopped seeing it, and people were like watching Don Rickles, like, how could he get away with that? Because everybody thought it was funny. Everyone felt there was something great about being picked on. Comedy clubs are not a safe space. Let me repeat, everyone out there having a bad day. It's not a safe space. These are supposed to be jokes. They are not going to be attacks on you personally. So uh, I'm on the side of this comedian. I don't know if she's good or not. She has a following, and I know that's not easy to do. And there's nothing more difficult, Hammer, you know this, than to get up in front of you know hundreds of people and try to make them laugh by yourself there's no band behind you if people want to see a master at this by the way uh here's a plug uh and i will be at the red curb in avon in the suburbs on july 21st i'm doing an r-rated show which i don't do very often anymore and a lot of it will be me riffing off the crowd but it won't be a safe space i promise i won't tell anyone to kill them so, so I guess you know you say riffing on the crowd isn't crowd work a built-in part of a lot of com- you know comedian sets one, and then two. You know I've been to a couple comedy shows, and I just know I do not want to sit next to the stage. Like it's 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 to be expected uh, when you go to a comedy show. If you're there close to the front, you know you're, you're going to be part of the show. Is that still not a thing anymore? That's the number one question I've always gotten from uh, the audience members or people. F- that have not done it. Uh, most comedians in the history of comedy don't go there hoping that you will heckle or throw stuff out. Sure, not and heckle, but, most, be, but be an easy target yeah. sitting so close and maybe right. you're but being even, an idiot talking during the set yeah. or something like that. Right, right. No, the, the great question. I, I, I will tell you, um, like, I mostly do corporate shows.
shows now, so I don't do any of that kind of stuff. It is a safe space if you hire Scott for your corporate event or your conference or your fundraiser, but if you catch me at Crackers or you catch me at the Red Curb uh, July 21st, Friday night, 8 p.m. My God, you are a NASCAR driver. You are a plugging machine. Do you have the hat of Red Curb on right now while you're speaking to us, Scott? I have the underwear. Far superior. No, I would just tell you, great question, Jerry. Um, Look, I never like to pick on people in the front row because of that reason. At comedy clubs so often, the person in the front row, they're afraid to be sad in the front row. I've done shows where there's nobody in the front row because of that. I used to make a joke is, is uh, if you're in the front, you had the guts to sit up here. Congratulations. I won't say a word. I'm going to pick on the wusses in the back. And I would actually walk into the back and pick on people. <laughs> so, because, you know, I was that student that would go in the back of the classroom, right. you know, and it was safe space for me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is comedy is supposed to be a place where we have some freedom of speech. Hey, by the way, I hope um, the uh, gay sex podcaster, Ashley Gavin, she would support if I said some joke that she didn't like, maybe, or politically. I hope she would support me because I support her. A lot of her for saying that. A lot of our comedians are kind of the tip of the spear when it comes to First Amendment. It's up to you to keep that alive and well when a lot of people are scared to talk about things. Uh, so when yeah. I when I watch comedians, I look for the person that's just going to dive right into the stuff that we all are thinking, but none of us can talk about so we can share a, share a laugh about it. Well, it's kind of scary. That's why, in truth, someone like uh, Joe Rogan has tried, the people have tried to cancel him on certain levels, you know, and it's not worked. But, you know, people are like, he's right wing. No, this is a guy that supported Bernie Sanders for president. He's not exactly right wing. He right. just has different thoughts. He doesn't uh, support the woke ideology. So, obviously, he can't still be part of any other party, but where the last place is you guys on the radio. You're the only place on the radio that speaks this. This is why I like to go on your show. I don't like to go on a lot of the others because I've got to be concerned exactly what I'm saying. Of course, I know what to say and what not. There is an FCC. Right. Guess what? July 21st, no FCC. <laughs> God will say bad words in public. He will have a potty mouth. It will be hilarious. That's what comedy is about to me. That was what George Carlin was about or Richard Pryor or, you know, not Bill Cosby because he was clean and he was trying to make girls pass out. That was a whole <laughs> different thing. All right. Last thing here before I let you go. Again, we got Scott Long, a comedian, joining us here. Got about a minute left here, Scott. You know as well as I do that because you're funny on social media doesn't translate necessarily to being funny in front of a crowd. So all of these TikTok comedians that are hilarious with edited videos that are like 35, 40 seconds long, when they get on stage, sometimes it's a little different here. Like, to me, it feels like this comedian woman on in the stage telling a crowd member to commit suicide tells me that you lost control in the moment 
because you're not used to this moment. Does that make sense? It takes a while to build it, you know. So, yes, I would say that's probably the case. Um, podcasting, you learn more about the comedians. I think that's good. But ultimately, comedy, stand-up comedy is an art. And um, it's one of the reasons why I still love doing it 32 years in. And it's another reason why I love to do it in the suburbs sometimes because I don't know what I should say sometimes in downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, just keep your head down and keep walking. That's kind of what we usually do down here. All right, one more time, because we didn't hear it the first 16 times. Where is your big comedy show? The Red Curb Comedy Club. It's locally owned. Great people who own it. Uh, I think they've got $15 tickets for the next couple days. That is super cheap. I'm actually I'm kind of embarrassed I just mentioned that. Uh, and if you go to Red Curb Comedy, you can find it. Or if you go to Scott Comedy on Twitter, there will be a link and I will even put up a live video of me working with an audience and you can see maybe how if you've done it a long time you can work without a net and not tell somebody to off themselves. <laughs> All right Scott, best of luck my man, knock it out of the park. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. And let's go to the drivehubor.com hotline. Bring on Tony Katz, Tuesdays with Tony. Tony, you've been uh, all over the place. Where you been lately? First of all, can we talk indie Spanglish in the house? My God. Right? Look at you. Right? Look at you bringing on the heavy hitters. Well done. Well played, man. I got to say, it's pretty cool to actually talk to people that I've been talking to in the digital space for a while now. So it's it's been pretty nice to actually put faces to names and shake hands and all that. So and yeah. what sucks yeah, for me, well, Tony, he's got a really good radio voice. When you hear him talk, it sounds like somebody speaking to you from the gods. When I speak, it sounds like Buddy Hackett on an old game show from the early 80s. Let me tell you, Buddy Hackett made cash. <laughs> People don't know this about Buddy Hackett. Buddy Hackett pulled. Well, oh. I think uh, when you're talking about Buddy Hackett, I think the next name that should pop up in your mind is Joe Hogsett. So this takes right. us to the city county council meeting last night and what I think can best be described as a complete waste of everyone's time. What did you think of this gun vote last night? Uh, em- embarrassing stuff from embarrassing people who don't understand the common denominator over the last eight years is Joe Hogsett. He's the common denominator. He's the, the, the issue at play. 
that his failures on on our security. He said he, he was going to be the national security advisor of Indianapolis, right? We don't need a public safety director. We've got Joe Hogsett. Well, it turns out we need something that Joe Hogsett can't provide, which is leadership. He's the common denominator. And when co- Counselor Allie Brown says, people come to me and say, you know, why don't you have the balls to do something about this? So we're doing something about it. No, you didn't. You didn't do anything about racism. You painted Black Lives Matter on the damn street. You didn't do anything about the environment. You're the council that brought us Meatless Monday. You're the council of virtue signaling, not the council of... You're really bad people. You're not interested in the the growth of Indianapolis. You're interested in signaling to people who vote for you, look how special I am. Turns out you're not special. Your theories, philosophies, and attitudes get people killed on the streets of Indianapolis, and now you don't want them to be able to defend themselves at all. And you bring up Allie Brown, and she isn't the only one. We played audio of Frank Mascari earlier. Uh, he's a Democratic rep on the city county council, represents the Beach Grove area on the south side. Listening to this guy try and justify what they did last night, like they were really doing something important, and it wasn't just a waste of everybody's time. How do you think they would react if the Republicans came out and said, you know what, we're going to make it so everybody gets a free million-dollar check if the laws change in Indiana, they will laugh them out of the building. But when they do it, it's something productive. These people are laughable, Tony. They've been this way for a, a good long time. You know, I've been doing Meatless Monday for almost as long as I've been doing radio in Indianapolis. And it was to highlight the idea that, of course, these people are unserious and not focused on things that matter. This has only grown. When uh, Allie Brown talks about a hotel coming to Indianapolis, you know what she says? That it's good-paying union jobs. She doesn't care about growth. She cares about union growth. Maybe that's why so many retail spaces remain empty. Maybe that's why there is no aggressive push from the city council, county council to do something about open office space and how we make down Downtown vibrant again, and how we think outside the box. Well, we did, but Tony. We did. We did put up the bootleg putt putt green. I don't know if you've noticed that out on the Monument Circle. You can now go out there and sit on astroturf that uh, evidently criminals will not shoot each other on for public safety. And now there's a police officer every fifty damn feet out on Monument Circle. You couldn't find that the last couple. Oh, I don't know, eight years, Tony. But now bike cops, police cops, putt putt greens. It's a whole new ball game down here. God, Joe Hogsett should run for office every year. (laughs) Hey, so what's it going to take for for the city to wake up? I mean, I just was doing a little bit of looking back. So from 68 to 2000, we had Republican mayors. 2000 to 2000, uh, well, we had uh, Bart Peterson after that, Greg Ballard, and now Hogsett. So it looks like we've made the turn to being a blue city. How how do we pull that back? Because it it, it seems to me like the left always promises but never delivers. And in my opinion, they don't really want to deliver because if they deliver, then You'll, you'll become independent. So they got to give you a little nu- a, a little bit, but but enough to keep you keep you suckling on that that Democrat teat. You have to start reminding people that their politics is not their identity. If you want to vote for Democrats because your abortion is the most important thing to you, 
I can't stop you. I just think you're wrong. But if you vote locally based on that national theory, well, you're not very bright now, are you? You're certainly not what, doing what's best for your kids, and I consider that to be not bright. You're not doing what's best for your family. I consider that to be not bright. You're not doing what's best for your community, and I consider that to be not bright. You've got to murder rate over 200 a year through the roof with no end in sight. And the answer is I can't vote for Republicans because they'll take away my abortion. This is the most ridiculous concept, but it is one that has worked for the political left. So we have to start breaking people of this idea that voting locally is somehow being a traitor to where you are nationally. The Democrats cannot deliver in Indianapolis. It's not because I say so. It's because the track record says so. How many many more times can you look at this guy cheating on you and say, wasn't him? It was him. It is Joe Hostet. <laughs> it is Bob Bosley. It is Allie Brown. They're screwing somebody else and you still want to go back to them. Grow up already. Recognize that that national politics isn't your local politics and you need a better, safer city. And Joe Hogsett cannot deliver. Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, turning our attention to some other headlines from around the country. So Joe Biden gives Ukraine some large bunker busting type of bombs and then says, well, they're not quite ready to join NATO just yet. Things aren't lined up just yet. And Zelensky flips out. Tony Zelensky's upset. He's got his feelings hurt. My personal opinion is where the hell does this guy get off criticizing the United States after we're basically funding his war and funding his country? I'm curious as to your thoughts. If you are Zelensky and your nation is under attack 24-7, you may not have all of the uh, touchy-feely moments in place. Everything to you is indeed life or death. So the idea that Zelensky is going to lose his mind over uh, uh, Ukraine membership into NATO seems pretty much par for the course. I actually got into this uh, today with Noah Rothman from National Review on the show, breaking this this down. But the real question is that, that you know, you hear Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, say there is a, a, a path for Ukraine to join NATO. Uh, the question is, is it a path that Ukraine can take? And question of when as well. Eventually, does it get there? I think it's really, truly possible. And it's kind of amazing that you listen to Russia talk about how Ukraine can't be a member of NATO. We refuse to have this NATO growth. And now you've got Finland, Sweden, and now possibly Ukraine as members of NATO. This backfired. But as Rothman points out, this was all just pretext from from the Russians. They know they could never stop uh, these things from, from happening. These were nothing more than talking points. But when you get into Zelensky's anger and Zelensky lashing out, what else is he supposed to do? He needs all the help he can get. And if he gets to be a NATO member and gets what's known as the Ascension, then he gets to say Article 5 all day long. And Article 5 is an attack on one, is an attack on all, which would then compel NATO nations to fight Russia. And the only time Article 5 has even been enacted was September 11, 2001. So do you think that that is why they are not being part of NATO now? Because if we put them in NATO, if we vote them in, we are going to war essentially World War Three. 
And I think that, well, I don't know if it's essentially World War III. I don't want to. Well, but, be, but, but a massive war where all native members, according to Article 5, are responsible now for defending Ukraine. Certainly it creates an ugly situation that none of us want to be a part of. I'm one of the guys who's okay with sending weapons and sending dollars because I believe in taking down Vladimir Putin by all means necessary. I think this cluster munitions uh, hammer, as you were uh, just uh, alluding to, is a very interesting play that has people very much divided. If I had declared war on Russia, I would use cluster munitions in a second because when I declare war via Congress, all bets are off. I am there to destroy my enemy until there's nothing left. Um, I don't think that any NATO nation wants to actually bring them in while this is happening. They want this to be resolved. And, and still, even in that conversation, I don't know how the resolve doesn't lead to Ukraine giving up parts of the Donbass, Donetsk and, and, and Luhansk. I, I don't know how this happens unless there is some kind of actual coup that takes Putin out. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, I don't see how this doesn't end with Ukraine losing territory. Right now, I don't. One more thing here, and let's go back to Zelensky himself for a moment. Tony, you know this as a businessman. Uh, world leaders probably know this. You can negotiate when you have the leverage. Does Zelensky have the leverage over Biden right now? Do you feel like maybe maybe this is tinfoil hat? I don't know. They've got some sort of dirt that would throw Hunter under the bus, that would throw the Biden family under the bus. And this is why Zelensky is so pissed off at Biden right now. Uh, I, I can't play in that level of, of speculation. But let's, let's argue just, just to, to humor it for a moment that, that he did. You can't pressure Germany into doing this. You can't. You can't pressure Germany or, or, or France or the U.K. into saying, yeah, this is a vote we have to do because, you know, uh, Zelensky's got a picture of Hunter Biden doing X, Y, or Z. That's, that's just not the way any of this would work. If that's the question, that would be my answer. So his anger, is, be- I would argue, is because, well, what else is he supposed to be? He's trying to save the future of his country, and that's where it comes from. What is coming up on the big shows tomorrow? Uh, I I want to see how some of these meetings uh, go down. Uh, I have a pretty unique planned trip to D.C. coming up. You had mentioned I've been doing a lot of traveling, and it's, and it's true, uh, that I'll be getting into. Uh, so really kind of taking a look at where some of these NATO meetings are, are going. That's going to be a big part of the day. He is on social media, at Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you. Thank you. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. To present booze news, booze news. Time for booze news. Doing a little booze news on the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, Shout out to our friends at St. Elmo's. St. Elmo. I said the S once at the end of it, Jerry, and the amount of tweets I got from one dude, you would have thought I shot the president. (laughs) There's no S at the end. It's just St. Elmo. Like, he flipped out. So, let me make it perfectly clear. For that one guy, who I'm sure is really fun at parties, St. Elmo, 
the uh, house cocktails that they roll out earn two double gold medals for the uh, Espresso Martini and Cosmo at the big 2023 Spirits Competition. So hat tip to our friends at St. Elmo. Don't you hate the grammar, people? I do. It makes me wonder as well if we're talking about the sauce. Do we call it St. Elmo's sauce or do we say St. Elmo sauce? That's interesting. Now you're like blowing my mind here. So I think if it's possessive, there's an S, right? If it's St. Elmo's sauce. But if you're going to St. Elmo Steakhouse, there's no S. I made the apparent grave mistake of putting an S at the end of the name of the steakhouse and uh, the tweets coming in fast and furious. Unforgivable. <laughs> so hat tip to our friends at St. Elmo. They are just the best in the business. Uh, last night, Vlad. Vlad Guerrero Jr. won the home run derby. And I got to thinking about this, Jer. I was texting with some of my friends. What's a better pre-All-Star Game event? The home run derby in baseball or the slam dunk contest in the NBA? I think it goes without even arguing that it has to be the home run derby, even if you're not a baseball guy. So I am a baseball guy, but at least in the home run derby, you are getting the best 10 home run hitters of that season. The number may fluctuate a little bit, but you're getting the best of the best. When it gets to the to the slam dunk contest, those, those days are long gone. You're getting last year's returning champ, a couple guys you've never heard of, and I think... There was a white dude from the G League that won the thing, Jumped didn't he? out of the gym. He <laughs> He was the Mac McGlung. He's uh, from G League. He jumped out of the gym. He was the only electrifying participant in last year's uh, slam dunk contest. Held, held the water all by himself. Hit us up on social media at Hammer and Nigel at Indy Spanglish. Better event. Home run derby, slam dunk contest. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.